Opening up new buildings, we're knocking down the old. We're working in the summer heat and in the winter cold. And the labour power we sell, me boys, for a hard and weekly pay. Produces mighty profits for the greedy MBA. And whether we were born here or born in Italy, in Greece, in Spain, or Ireland, in England or Fiji, we all of us are workers united. We must stand until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land. Welcome to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews with the people who made the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. These podcasts are sponsored by the Concrete Gang in cooperation with Community Radio 3CR. And break a couple of concrete pores to back our lug of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's glass to glass and face to face, our limit is the sky. We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed. Our builder's labour is a name to make a man feel proud. And welcome to Series 3 of Creatures of the Industry. And as with the previous interview, we are still in Western Australia. Good morning, Joe MacDonald. How are you, Ralph? Good to see you, mate. Well, it's an absolute welcome pleasure to, to be... Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. We're in uh, late July. The sun's shining. There's no wind. And there's hardly anyone on the streets. It's like being in a country town. <laughs> or am, I, uh, am I being unfair to the people of Perth? Oh, just a little bit, mate. <laughs> I've been here for a while, but uh, yeah, you forgot to mention that it's my birthday in two days. Oh, and well, this is the first time you've mentioned it to me, but happy <laughs> birthday for two days' time. Yes, we're talking to Joe McDonald, who uh, had a long and, uh, might I say, not only energetic, but productive career in the union movement in Western Australia. But before we get on to all of that, why don't you tell the listeners about how you came to the industry, where you started, when you started, because we are very interested as a show in people and where they come from because it helps explain the story. Thanks, Ralph. uh, Well, I I arrived in Australia when I was uh, just turned 15. I had... um Left school in Scotland at uh, 14, worked for a couple of months with a bricklaying contractor, came out here with my mother to, uh, my sister sponsored us out here, and um, I started work as an apprentice bricklayer with uh, W.C. Hamilton in Cabramatta in uh, in New South Wales, and that was my introduction to the industry. Um, Mala Holmes, it was uh, a... Actually, it was, a, it was a Jewish building company, Alum, and he spelled his name backwards as Mahler Holmes, and that's where I started. So let me just suggest that it was pretty rough for an apprentice in those days. Because I think you were going to suggest to me earlier that uh, the introduction was a celebration as well as an uh, introduction to the industry. Uh, absolutely, um, I remember you, you went on three months trial and when you got your um, 
when you when you uh, got, got picked the way you would become an apprentice, the first thing they did was the bricklayers and the labourers on, or the hotties on the job, as we called them back in them days, would um, take you up to the local pub and everybody would buy you a schooner. Um, kept me in the back because you was only about 15, but that was my introduction. I've got to tell you, mate, if we're talking about the introduction of my mind to the industry, the gargoyle played a big fucking role in it. So much so that I haven't had a drink for 40 years. It got a good grip of me. But, um, uh, so yeah. how many, how many schooners or pots, as we like to call them in Victoria, how many did you actually get on that first session? Well, it was, uh, I think there was about, uh, four bricklayers and, and two labourers there and, um, I don't think I managed to knock off the whole six schooners. I was pretty... You would have been lucky to have knocked off two at 15. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but that was, the, that was the introduction. Yep. That was the introduction as an apprentice. And I got us... I, I, um, it, was pretty, it was pretty hard going, you know what I mean? You would, uh, you would as an apprentice back then, there was, um, there was all those, those usual tricks were played on you and um, some of them were quite brutal. But, uh, but you know... As, uh, I'm glad to say that that's one thing that the in- industry has stopped and um, the, the people in it, both um, in every trade, have stopped that bullying and those stupid petty jokes that were played against apprentices because some of them were hellacious, you know. Yeah. Now, in terms of work, you're working for a house builder? Yes. So what was the sort of work that they started you off on? Yeah, it, it was... Um, well, they showed you how to, uh, the, the labourer would, you, you go with the labourer first up and he would show you how to throw a batch into the mixer, move a few bricks around the place and, um, and back in them days there was, uh, if you see people working today, if you see blocks working today, they've got a, when they're raking out the joints, it's a pretty nice looking tool with wheels on it and the rest of it. Back then it was a lump of, lump of, uh, 4B, uh, 2B1 with a notch cut out of it and a nail driven through it, you know, and that was how we used to rake out buildings. So that was a big part of it, just going around pointing up and and um, being the butt of all their jokes, being sent for a long stand to help somebody, and then an hour later somebody would come and ask you why you were stood there. <laughs> now, when was the first day you actually laid a brick? How far into the apprenticeship before you actually laid a brick? Probably... Um, uh, they, would, they would give you a go from time to time I'll tell you what my first job was the first job I had was a piece of uh, 4b2 timber in a long line a, uh, a mortar board full of mortar and just learning how to pick it up spread it along this timber take it off, put it back on the board pick it up, spread it on the timber and that was um, oh Jesus, that, was, that just went on forever like spread and toast. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So you finished your apprenticeship with the people you started with? Yeah, yeah. And what happened to you then? Moved over to Western Australia, um, travelled around a bit. And, um, uh, well, I had joined the union back in um, 20 cents it cost. Yes. But um, so they, they used to come around. Granville Tech was the, the college that I went to. Yeah, and yeah. I must have learnt something on that first day because I remember, and no disrespect to my old mate Ralph here because um, I know he was a builder's labourer, but I remember somebody suggested at Granville Tech we should go for a drink at lunchtime because that's, that's, that's what you did. 
and we went down to the, I think it was called the Royal at Granville Station, and somebody had complained about uh, young people being in there, and the coppers came straight in and grabbed a lot of us. And I remember this copper said to me, what do you do? I said, I'm an apprentice bricklayer, and Ralph, this is the truth. Mm. He says, if you keep drinking like that, you'll end up a builder's labourer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've been a contract scaffolder, you wouldn't have waited till lunchtime. <laughs> but, uh, so, what years were these? In terms of, you know, when you got to Australia, when you finished your apprenticeship? Well, I was, well, well um, in two days' time, as mm. I've mentioned before, I'm 69. Mm-hmm. So this was when I was, I was 15. Finished my apprenticeship. They, they, they dropped, um, it was a five-year apprenticeship, but they dropped a year off it when I was started it. So it was a four-year apprenticeship. And um, then I moved over to Western Australia not long after that mm-hmm. and uh, travelled around a little bit. And, mm-hmm. um, never, I went back to Sydney for a year, went in New Zealand for a bit of time, but it's was pretty well based myself in Western Australia from then onwards, you know. Right. So you get to the West and you never left. Basically, yep, yep, yep. Other than your grand tours of the uh, eastern states to uh, impart a few words of wisdom? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, I've met some great people, mate. My. So, you're in Perth, you finished your apprenticeship, you've done a, well, probably a, a short time actually on the tools uh, as, a, as a bricklayer, but what did you do when you first got here in terms of work? Was there work available a lot of work, little work. What do you have to do? Let me tell you about when I first come here, and and and, and mate, you jogged my memory by asking that question. When I first came out here, there was um, there was there was two brick companies, and one of them was Midland Brick, and bricklayers were making before I arrived here. Bricklayers were making pretty good money, but the block that owned Midland Brick was a fellow called Rick New, so he he started these six week courses for bricklayers. And um, uh, really, mate, it was it was pretty bad. You was frightened to go and buy a new travel or a new level because everybody would think it was a six week fucking wonder. And it was, it was a lot of bad blood in the industry because of that, you know. Um, and I mean, some of them people probably went on to be as good a bricklayer as anybody, but it was a way that Rick kept the prices down in the houses and, and his bricks going up, you know. It was. It wasn't. It was. I just got here at the wrong time. Got to go here in the middle of that, you know what I mean? And maybe that was my first experience of um, how people um, price fixing in the industry, you know, if that's what it was, you know. But and they weren't bad people. There were people who didn't have a job, and they 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 they, they answered these ads, and they went out there and they did six weeks, and then they they stuck them on a job, and they pulled the walls down and put them up and pulled the walls down. I felt sorry for the people that were buying the houses, but mm. it was. Um, it wasn't a good place to be at that particular time. So, what year was that? Well, Ralphie, it was, um, well, it was... Almost 70s? Yeah, yeah. It would have been yeah, early 70s yeah, early by 70s, now. Yeah. 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 So, at that point in time, Perth would have been, literally, as I joked earlier, a country town. Oh, absolutely. I, I, there, w- there wouldn't have been that much work around in terms of housing, or was that still, a, you know, the bit of the uh, immigration boom of the 50s and 60s was still happening? Unit, unit development was, um, 
unit development was come, not, nothing like it had been where I grew up in Sydney. Yeah. But it was starting here. Um, Holmes West were doing a lot of uh, buildings like that, um, unit developments. You know? Six packs. And uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a fair bit of that going on. All around, there was industrial areas like they're everywhere here now, but they were just they were a thing that was starting to happen. You know. Yeah. Um, down around Quanana and Fremantle and, and the industrial areas, there was always work going on around there. Yeah. I mean, you have to understand that when I first came here, I think there was something like about you, uh, Quanana would have about four or five hundred apprentices. Mm. It wasn't a, a country town then, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't think you'd find any down there now. That's yeah. so how it, it's gone. So you've established yourself in Perth. Yep. You're enjoying a drink. Yep. And it's bloody hot. Yep. And you survived all the heat and all the travel and all the dust and all the bullshit that goes on having to work in housing. Yep. How do you go with the sandy soil? That would have been, I would have thought, yeah, not, it may, <laughs> not, not great to work on. It made your legs a bit heavy, that's for sure. <laughs> you know? um, and, and, and literally, mate, what you say... If I know you're you're living you're up Scarborough way at the moment, a little bit further up there, yeah. that was just that was just beach and they just pulled yeah. it, flattened it out. Never even pulled out the bushes; they just flattened everything out and built it straight on the sand. Yeah. But they're still standing, you know. Yeah. The, the difference here, mate, from um, probably in, in in eastern states, everything was double brick, oh. and that was another thing that pushed I think Rick New into bringing these six week wonders into the industry. But bricks were cheaper than timber. Yeah. It was easier to get bricks than timber here, so you, you didn't have the brick veneer. Yeah, yeah. And white ant, was that a problem? Oh. Uh, it, was just, it was just the ground you had to build on. Yeah, it was just the ground that you build on. You know, they, they, they would put that white ant um, wire in, but, you know, didn't, 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 you know, not in, the, not in a double brick place, you know. So I usually ask people, you know, what was your experience on site? in terms of inclement weather, amenities, those sorts of things which are taken for granted, which are written into awards and agreements. But what was your experience at the coalface back in the early 70s in housing? There was nothing. There was There's nothing. nothing. <laughs> you know, there, there, used to be a, there used to be a saying when I first... Um, we've had men in the moon for 10 years and you're still, you're still you're shitting a hole in the bucket, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was it was terrible. Mm. It really was. I know, um, and the inclement weather. The um, I mean, I got introduced to that a bit later on when mm. when, when um, um, in the northwest and places like that, you know, um, where your old mate sort of set the, the, the scene up there yeah. with a block called John Cummins and, and and put some conditions and places up there with another couple of people. And then it, it flowed right through, but it was a long time coming, mate. Mm. Um, a long time. So I was talking to Graham Pellet uh, in the previous interview, and the Fremantle doctor was a, uh, a godsend because you didn't get to go home because of the heat. Oh, no. And the Fremantle doctor didn't get as far up as where you are, mate. Yeah. And yep. the, the Fremantle doctor was the Fremantle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, 
It may have been a godsend, but I don't remember it being that 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 no. that much of a saving. Yeah. When, it, when it was a heat wave, it went for days, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only relief was somebody would say it's time to leg it out. Yeah. That did mean that it had got to a certain temperature. That mean that um, fuck this, we got in the pub. That was yeah. it. Seriously, you know, they would, yeah. you'd have a drink, you know, um, to keep going. I suppose I do go on a bit about that, but you know. Um, you know, there was there was there was grog on the job all the time. You know, um, the concreters would finish the pour and they'd, they'd turn up with a slab or, or a carton. I don't want to sound like a Victorian. And um, you know, at lunchtime, mm. it was just there all the time. You know, and then after you know a couple of stubbies, it was hard to get interested, <laughs> and even cleaning the mixer out. You know, and but. That all changed when we started, yeah. and, and I put that down to the union when they started yeah. doing the, Who would ever have believed 37.5, mm. you know? And everyone smoked and everyone drank. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, 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 you know, but then all of a sudden we're watching what's happening in the Eastern States and you're going home at 37.5. Mm. You're getting a rostered day off. Mm. I remember all them coming in, mate. Yeah. I remember walking through shopping centres and you'd bump into somebody and they come up to you and it's fucking amazing. Mm. We're getting fucking paid for this. Now I know and originally it was your own money, but it wasn't. It fucking wasn't. You were having a day off work and you were... Look, I'm not saying that right. I, I understand that we... <laughs> it's flexi time. Yeah. Mate, it was just... You just could not believe that you'd bump into a plumber mm. or, a, or, or a sparky. Or or, or, or a, a concreter, mm. and it was a Monday, and you were getting paid. Yep. Going home on a Friday and think it was a long weekend. Mm. It was, it was just an amazing thing, you know. And that was only a thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah. But before we get to the yeah, sorry, uh, mate, I'm to the out. early eighties, uh, in terms of the seventies, you're here, you're working in housing, you're in the union, and what union was that? The BWIU. Because they were amalgamated into, well, the Brickies were amalgamated into the BWIU in the 50s. As yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a bit different here. It's an interesting story here. It was, um, I know that where you come from, the Victorian opera of bricklayers, but here it was called the bricklayers and rubble wallers. Mm. And when the, when, the, when the palms came out, or I'll class myself in that, they took offence at that. You know mm. what I mean? Being rubble wallers seemed... Uh, well, it didn't seem to make you like the aristocracy of the industry being a rubble waller, you know what I mean? But um, a lot of that came from the Italians that done the dry stone walls yes. and that, and some of them were brilliant artists. Yes. You know, I've seen some of them, yeah. and they were brilliant. So it was a bit of that, but we ended up, the the, uh, the carpenters and, and the, the, the bricklayers amalgamated and become the BWIU. So you were in the union. Were you an active member of the union back in the 70s or...? Can I tell you about my first experience yeah, of doing it in the union? That's what we're here for. Yeah, well, when I was an apprentice in New South Wales, the um, uh, apprentices sometimes would get shifted to other companies. That with, you know, the boss would be mate with another block and he might be doing a block of units or something, a church or something, so you get sent with him for a week. And it was on a block of flats down at, I think it was Maroubra, and there was three Brickies labourers on the job. And one of them was a First Nation man. Mm. And the, um, it was when oxides, was our first experience, my first experience with oxide, red, black oxide. Mm. 
And the, the British labourers said Sylvester was this bloke's name, Alan Sylvester. Bastard of a man he was. And the British labourers said, we want a few, we want a, we want a bit extra for using this black shit. We can't, can't even go for a drink. You've got to go and get showered first. So he said, well, fine. I'll give it to the two white fellas. But, and, and this is genuine, Ralph, but I'm not giving it to him because he was an indigenous bloke. So the other two blocks said, well, fuck you, we're not mixing any cement. Now, my experience on that was I was about, I don't know, 16, 17. And all I knew is we sat around on the scaffold for about three hours and got paid for it. But mm. it was quite a terror. It was a, it was a, now, I'd like to say to you that affected me, but I just all I remember is we didn't fucking work. We had no more and we sat there. But you know what? Sylvester ended up paying the three of them yep. to get it going again. And that was, oh, I'd love to tell you, mate, that that was an experience that, really shook me but all I remember is just sitting rolling a smoke mm. and getting paid yep but you put it all in context as the years went on absolutely and that's the point and you remember it uh, absolutely and I would have thought at that stage in New South Wales or anywhere in Australia the prejudices against both indigenous and non-English speaking migrants would have been something shocking yep Building sites, uh, as even I can remember them, were not the most uh, hospitable places if you weren't part of the basic Anglo-Saxon, Anglo-Irish... Absolutely. ...male... Yeah, absolutely. ...pretty uh, rough-and-ready type person. Yeah. That was so much of the industry at that time. The industry, I might suggest, I'm just digressing, is much different in many ways... Absolutely. But the attitudes are different. Yeah. As you alluded to earlier, there ain't no drinking on the job uh, like there used to be. Smoking's not all that prevalent now. Yeah, yeah. And attitudes, uh, you know, pornography stuck on the walls of the yeah. sheds and all the rest of it, it's all gone. Yeah. And the industry's a better place for it. But I would have thought you would have had to battle through uh, a few more years of uh, prehistoric times before oh. we got to that. Ralph, I remember one of the first times somebody came on to tell us about asbestos in the building industry. And he came in the smoker shed. And he had brought some... Uh, two of them came in. And I swear to you, you couldn't see the end of the smoker shed for fucking cigarette smoke. Yep. It was absolutely... Everybody lit up. And they were telling us about what was uh, bad for our lungs. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think there's. A, well, I think we've come a long way. I think we've got a long way to go. Oh, yes. But the distance that we've already travelled, I don't think uh, younger people coming into the industry quite realise how no. much it's changed. No, no. But getting back to your arrival in Perth and you're working in housing, how far did you have to travel to work? In terms of local jobs, oh, no, you have no. to go down the coast, up the coast. Anywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. What was the furthest job you ever went to, do you reckon? Uh, probably, um, I lived up in the northern suburbs. Now, to go to Fremantle, now you go straight down the freeway, but there was no freeway then. Mm. So if you was going to some place like Rockingham that was just coming out the ground, it's a good hour's drive. Mm. More, more. Mm. I mean, I know in Victoria where you come from, you can do that to get to the next suburb, but not then you could, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it was, uh, it, was, it was a long way. It was not 
<laughs> well, they even had bridges over the Swan River, did they? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, you had to travel. You, Tommy Watson told you to ask that question, didn't he? <laughs> we had an argument here one time. Tommy said there's two rivers in Perth, and I didn't know there wasn't. I had lived here for about 30 years. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're moving all around Perth. What do you reckon was the circumstances of the industry in those days? High-rise stuff hadn't started. No. Housing was usual detached villas. Yep. Um, there was some industrial work around Quinana and that, especially for refractory workers and, and yep. so on. But what was your, what's your memory of the industry as you experienced it back in the 70s? When we first came here, the, um, in fact, we were talking about it before, about some of the big subcontractors. Yeah. Um, Prestiani was a big contractor. But, you know, like, um, Vito was an Italian. He paid well, but he wanted his pound of flesh. Mm. Um, and you, they would, even then, mate, you know, there was um, the Italians would, 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 would go into one smoker shed as we were getting them, and we'd go into the others. And there weren't smoker sheds like we got today with, with everything in them. But, free, but they were just somewhere to sit. Uh, that, that was one thing, you know. Mm. Funny, can I just digress for a minute yeah, when you yeah, say that? Yeah. I remember I bumped into a. Uh, in retirement, you know, I, I, I caught up with a, a, a no, come on, you know, we're sitting. And he reminded me of that. We went to a place and um, just not, just down the road from where I'm living now, mate, and we got one of them picky plate things with the cheese and the salami and all the yeah, rest yeah. of it. And he said, and, and he reminded me, remember we used to take the piss out of them Italian lads that used to come to work and eat it. Now you pay a fortune for it and you go for it. <laughs> it's true, but I don't know. It is you know, true. It's it true. is exactly true. You see them cutting this up and breaking that bread. Yeah. You wouldn't eat any other sort of bread today. Yeah. But we, and we people would, in the sheds would complain if you brought anything that smelled of garlic or you ate garlic last night and you yeah. copped it. Yeah, yeah. You might have been Anglo-Saxon, but you, you've been to some wog place. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've been eating garlic. Yeah. Now it's yeah. healthy. Yeah. It's... It's considered normal. Yeah, I remember the first time I seen somebody eating olives in the blocks alongside me. Says, "Funny looking grapes, them fuckers, aren't they?" <laughs> <laughs> it's true, mate, isn't it? Yeah, it mate? is very true. Yeah, and that really did yeah. go right till till late seventies. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But the industry was, I would have thought, pretty patchy in terms of continuous work. Oh, there's no continuous work, mate. No. no. no what did you do when when there wasn't work? How did you survive? on the dole or you, you just cut back you got by yeah I don't know how you survived you know I really don't you know but I'll tell you one thing I remember when it was starting to turn and it was one of the first jobs I worked in the city and a block fell over and hurt his arm and I, and I was walking to coming out the road and he had it in a sling and compensation was another thing that was just coming in because you have to have your own and I remember talking to this fellow he wasn't much older than me and I said, how's your arm? He said, yeah, it's not broken, fuck it. You know, I, I could have, the job's nearly finished. And he was up, a bit upset that his arm wasn't fucking broken. And that's genuine. Mm. He was upset that his arm wasn't broken because we had compo by then, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it might have been all right because yeah. it was due to be stood down. Yeah. So it, it's... But you could get on the rock and roll. Yeah. 
And um, it wasn't good money. No, and you couldn't get a job anywhere else. If you went to try and get a job in a factory and they knew that you was a chippy or a granite or a concreter or a, or a bricklayer, mm. they knew you was just there because there yeah. was a downturn. Yeah. You know, so they, 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 they didn't start. You wouldn't get a job. You know? But the, the, well, the expectations, the mortgage, all those things was never easy, but it's probably a little bit more moderate than it is today, the sort of financial pressure that people are under. But oh, sure. was, people were still under financial pressure. Yeah. But if you could get the rock and roll, at least you could feed yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then you'd have to go and try and find work. Yeah. And you needed the time because you had to travel. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't submit CVs over the internet, did no, you? No. You had to go and see the boss yeah. and basically front him up and go, you need someone. Well, the big thing here was the paper, wasn't it? Yeah, you yeah. didn't. And sometimes, I didn't do it regular because I lived up the northern suburbs. Mm. But on a couple of occasions or another couple of blocks, we would drive to the airport because mm. that's the first place you could get a newspaper. Yep. And there would be bricklayers and carpenters and everything queued up waiting for newspapers at the airport. God knows where they all came from. And then? And then you'd, you'd go to the site. Or you, there'd be a phone number. Yeah. And you'd ring somebody up. Yeah. And they would yep. say, what are you fucking ringing me at this time of night for? Ring me in the morning. Yeah. Arrogant bastards, you know. Yeah. But if you had to front up for uh, a job, in the hope of getting a job, I should say, there could be a couple of dozen people there. Oh, absolutely. There. Absolutely. And... They all stood there like, well, sheep, Boring. waiting for someone to come out and go, I know you, you're, okay, come on, you can, yeah. you can get a start. Yeah, that, that, that's dead right, mate. That's what makes me laugh. Here they have an old saying, and if you get down to Fremantle, you'll see where Paddy Troy had it for the wharfies, and they called it the bull ring. Yeah, yeah. But we had our own bull ring in the industry. It just moved around a bit, you know, from job to job. People would pull up mm. and see could they get a job, and, mm. and, and he would walk up and pick who he wanted. And there were pubs where you went. To pick up a job too. Early openers, yeah. Yeah, and... It was a disaster if you didn't get a job, but you still had a quick <laughs> <apologize. laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, for those of us uh, from Melbourne, the early openers was very much a part Absolutely, of the yeah. scene, yeah. like it was everywhere else. Yep, yep, yep. Sydney and here, yeah, absolutely. Yes, the number of times of. Uh, <coughs> At the front, the uh, water side of the Central Club, and uh, absolutely, yeah. And next minute, you're on the way to bloody. I remember one day I was on the way to um, Castle Main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water side at five o'clock, and Castle Main at seven. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. Now, through all this, you're gaining experience, you're gaining contacts, and contacts is everything. Um. The union, how did you sort of get more active in the union or did you just open your mouth and find suddenly you were basically got the target on your forehead because people knew about you? I, there was always that. There was always yes. that. You're too young to be a tradesman. Yeah. You're too, you too, too loud mouth to be a tradesman, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, my. Yeah. But and yeah, and, and that, it went further than that sometimes. It wasn't just a target that you were the mouthy one, but blacklisting. Oh, absolutely. Was it was, it was hellish here. Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, no, there was there was nowhere else to go to. No, that's yeah, right. Once you're here, you're trapped. Yeah. Or at yeah. least in those days, you were trapped. Yeah. 
and I go back to Vito again, you know, I remember and um, next time you come out you can meet him because I still see him at the honorary members do. I remember old Brian and old Brickler and, and Vito went up and he said, you've you, you got to go today, he said, no. He says, sorry? <laughs> Vito had a squeaky voice, he says, not going Vito. He says, you've got to go. And no, he says, I'm fed up losing good jobs with a fucking sack, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work, but it sort of it gave a, the frustration. Brian was an old palm, an old union man, you know, and uh, probably one of the mentors around, you know, and you'd listen to these people. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them here and probably in, in your time, a lot of them were ex-servicemen. Yep. And they were very, they got a bit bitter about what they'd been through and then they come and then couldn't, it was, it was interesting times for them as well, yep. you know. Yeah. And they had a, had a different bond, but it was still a, hmm. a brotherhood, and then and they were all union men, you know. Yeah. Uh, everybody was a bit more likely to join the union back then, you know. I remember, you know, like, and you said it before about the, the Irish and, and the Scottish that come here, but I remember you talked to an old union official and said the first thing they did when they got off the boat hmm. was get settled and go in and not join the union, transfer their union. Yep. From be it Scotland, or, and the Italians are the same, mate. You yeah. know, they yeah. go in and they'd been in the, um, they 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 go in and they had been in the syndicata, mm. and the, and they would, um, it was it was it was a bit different then too. People never forgot what they needed as as they sometimes do today. Yes, well, we'll get to today in due course. Yeah, sorry, because we need to reflect on. Um, the changes in yeah, the industry. Yeah, sure, sure. So, in the 70s, how do you reckon you changed? I've stumped you here, haven't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. where I'm going is suddenly you've had a whole, probably 10 years experience. Yeah. You've worked all across. Yeah, yep. And somewhere, as I sort of intimated before, you opened your gob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, look, you know the biggest... Suddenly you, you felt confident enough, yeah. or angry enough, or whatever, yep. to open your gob, and you opened your gob. Yeah, yeah. And again, that goes back to the, the job. One of them is in the hotel you're living in at, at the moment, you know. Mm. Um, but there was an awful lot of flyboy nighters in Western Australia. People would turn up with a caravan and a mixer on the back, and you'd be working for them and come... You're going to work on a Thursday morning and it was gone. Yeah. Everything was gone. There was no money. You got, you had worked three or four days for nothing. Mm. He'd got a draw and he had disappeared. Yeah. And there was a hell of a lot of that here. More than, and I never experienced that in Sydney, maybe because I was younger and apprentice and, and mm. it was a, maybe that was just as bad. Yeah. But, um, that used to piss you off. You've done a, done a bit of work and everybody's gone. You know what yeah. I mean? They would bring you in for a couple of days and you were gone. Was that um, a brick laying thing or was that a, a I common thing across other subbies and so on. No, I think it was probably um, probably because the bricklayer spent more time on a job to finish it. There was more work involved, yeah. so it would have been, you know. Yeah. Um, they used to. You, you, you'd, you'd just go around and you could pick. You got to know you was trouble with the block you was working. If um, every wall was gone up and no scaffolding was gone up, you'd be thinking to yourself, as soon as this is old scaffold, oh, he's fucking gone. So I want my money before he goes. You became, you started to think like them. I think. Yeah. You started to think the way that they thought. You know, we've been. We, we, you said the block. You know, you was there with your mate. Mm. You know, these fucking walls are going scaffold high, but 
we're not putting any scaffold up. This doesn't look too good, you know. Yeah. So you'd hit them for a sub or something to try yeah. and win one way back. And and I suppose that was a bit dishonest for the poor man and woman that you were building the house for. But you had to fucking survive, Ralph, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, you did get a bit fed up, you know, when you went, when you went in and you, you got a bit known and you'd spoken up and you'd said a few things that you you were fed up with, you know. Mm. And, um, you know, the other thing that, I hated, and I loved at the time, but I hate it now that I think about it. You'd have to go to the fucking pub to get paid. Yeah. And then they'd queue you up, and you'd walk up to the table, and, you know, it would be teed up in the pub you went to. So as soon as you got your um, wages, you'd had three or four while you were waiting, so you had to go and pay for them straight away. Mm. And then you were there for the night. I, I uh, you know... Um, Geez, you're bringing back some memories, brother. Well, I'm going to digress again because you've raised a, a little matter which possibly is not as true of Australia as of Britain. But the union and the industry basically operated on the basis of pubs. Yeah. The union branch met in the pub in England, as I understand it, uh, you travelled from town to town to work Journey and man. you caught up at a pub. Yep. It was a designated pub. Yeah. Even in, in Melbourne, in, in Australia, there there was still this thing about the pubs you went to yep. to get work, to get paid, to catch up with someone, yep. to hear about the next job. I yep. mean, the pub was absolutely. the circuit. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, you could get into an awful lot of trouble, but <laughs> you've got work, you're surviving. What made you, do you think, go from just being a tradesman who was working, making a quid surviving, to someone who wanted to do more than that? Suddenly you went, you either opened your gob and got yep. basically targeted yep. because you're a troublemaker or you said there's got to be something better than this. Yep. Do you reckon that took place for you? Yeah, um, I could tell you some of the names. A bloke called Ronnie Monk was one. Mm. Um, he's a Yorkshire man, mm. um, Second World War veteran and mm. he, um, he, he lost more jobs than enough, you know. Mm. Um, he, he, he pointed out that we, we you know, um, he used to have a saying, Ralph. I um, he used to say that um, when the boss would come and you're handing out the pay packets, he used to say, "I've never taken a wage packet off a poor boss," and little things like that stuck in my mind, you know. Um, Ronnie Monk and others. I say, you say it was around the pub. Yeah, they were all big drinkers, mm. but the first ones that I met. They were, they, they had, they'd been through a war, mate, mm. and and they were in the building industry, you know, and um, uh, they, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't be pushed around anymore, and a little bit of it's got to rub off on you, you yeah. know. Yeah. It, it does, it rubs off on you, you know. Um, you know, um, how long is that going to take you up there? Uh, not that long, i just got to put me fucking travel back in me tin. Fuck you, I'm not working here. Or they would say things that you would just never mm. would dream of. They just they, they had defiance. That's what mm, they yeah, had, yeah. and maybe they learnt that in a terrible place. Mm. But that was the people that impressed me. And I would have met Jimmy Booty and people like that. 
So it was a cumulative effect. Absolutely. It wasn't one incident. It was just... You, oh, it just, absolutely. You just underwent change. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely with these, these different people. It was, you know, they just... Mate, they used to say when the palms come in, they doffed their caps. They didn't, mate. Mm. They didn't. They brought they brought a lot of it with them. Some yeah. of them, you know, but mm. and and the Aussie lads that you met and and the Italians too, you know, mm. you know it was uh, it was them that, that that was the ones that impressed me, mm. you know, and, and they they would they, yeah listen to you, you know, they um mate they, they they did teach you a trade, but they did teach you other things as well, you know, you know. Yes. They teach you other things as well, yeah. you know. Well, um, and sometimes it was a long journey. Absolutely, um, absolutely. My father's family went from Wales into England to the Channel Islands, yeah, to Melbourne, yeah, following the work, yeah, yeah. And the family followed later, yeah. See, I, I never they, they would teach you things like that, like the journeyman. If yeah. You talk about the, um, you know. A traveling was a traveling tra- tradesman. Yeah, he would go to one place in Scotland or England or Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if he if there was no work there, he could get the bus fare to the next town. Yeah, that's what they tell me it was long before my time. But yeah, that's how it worked, you know. And it's still a wee bit like that today, you know. That when when you, you get on one of those big jobs and people help you out, you know. Yeah, you'd see a block come out from maybe a different country that did things a bit different, mm. but they didn't isolate them. No. They pulled them in and says, mate, with the, you know, they do it like this here, you know what I mean? They would pick the pond by the size of his trail. It was different on Australian trail and it worked together, but it was, mm. and it was, the, they did, they did, they, they did, they did bond in. And, and you know what, mate? I think it still comes back today with youth. I mm. think they were still going to get it, but you say, and I couldn't tell you about an individual. I tried to be honest about the, the First Nation mm. man. They wouldn't mm. get, there was, Sylvester wasn't going to pay him. I remember it, yeah, I remember it, but I don't think that turned me into a revolutionary overnight. No, All it no. meant was that I rolled a couple of extra smokes while I had nothing to do, but, but I do remember it, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, it's things, all cumulative. Yeah, yeah, things like that that made it happen, and with, with the other people you, 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 that you catch up with, you know. So we now get to the point where you take a more active role in the union. Yep. When was that, and uh, what was that first activist role? It was shop steward on the job. Yeah, um, big job. Uh, it was it was it was an army bar. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it wasn't the army barracks. I'm trying to think where it was. Yeah, it was an army barracks. Yeah, mm. it was on an army barracks, and uh, I worked there for a while. Mm. Then when the union put me in another job, and um, they wouldn't pay me, so. Um, the organiser come up and he says, just jump up and start laying bricks. So I did, and I, I wasn't getting paid. It was mm. about two weeks before they buckled under and gave me a job. Mm. Then I got voted in as a union delegate, and then I, obviously they back paid me my money. But it just says, and, and even then, you know what I mean? Like, I sometimes think what would happen, the bricklayers themselves, the labourers, they were told not to give me any gear, but they did. Yeah, The bricklayers would... Or get up and work in between them, and just and then until eventually the the, the 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 boss acknowledged that I was there, and I got voted in as the rep there. You know, the union would turn up every day, and it was all right. You know, even the job that I had left, they said they had a whip round and sent me some money up. You know? Yeah, it was it was. Yeah, and I still see some of the blocks on the job I went to. 
mm. and in the job where I'd left to the, where the union put me, you know. Um, there was always a bit of competition here between the unions of uh, at different times, but gladly say that doesn't happen. Though. They work a lot better together. Mm. But again, digressing a little bit, the whip around. Yeah. That was normal. Yeah. I don't know what they called it in Victoria, but here it was called a, a tarpaulin muster. <laughs> tarpaulin muster. We kept it a bit shorter than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody would throw in, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it was normal practice. Absolutely. In fact, it was a point of honour to throw in yeah. and never collect. Absolutely. Because if you were collecting, you're up shit crew. Yeah, absolutely. And so you threw in in the hope that you'd never have to collect yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nowadays we have a whole lot of oh, benefits, benefits yeah, yeah, and yeah. that under in Victoria the redundancy scheme and so on. But that attitude of common interest, yep. cooperative cooperation and support for each other and all the rest of it was very strong. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure it's the case today. Certainly not to the same degree. I'm not oh, going to. No. I'm not going to disparage uh, young people. The experience was different. Yeah. And people are far more isolated today. I mean, people sit at meetings, playing with their phones, yeah, yeah. not necessarily listening to. Yeah, the that's meeting. right. Absolutely. But in the old days. Yeah. Old days. Oh, you know, no, shocking to say it. You sat in the shed. It was like being at school. Yeah. Because you learnt. Absolutely. You heard stories you would not believe. Yeah. Um, you heard what people had gone through and how people had suffered and all the rest of it. And then there was the humour. Oh. And you learnt about things that go and tell other people. And they thought you were bullshitting. Yeah, yeah. But it was... It was a story and a half. Oh, mate, yeah, you know, like, um, <laughs> when we when uh, the casino there, there was a, when we built the very first stage of that, there used to, <laughs> there used to be um, uh, people that come from other Bass and Dean Way, they had to drive past an early opener and there was a, there was a set of traffic lights at it and a couple of them would come, we would be at work that day and they come in the next day, fucking red light again at that <laughs> <laughs> Stopped at the red light at the early opener. And, yeah. and that was, everybody knew what they'd tell you. just laughed, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, yes. you know? And then you'd have somebody would take off. Remember them old movies? When they, Twiggy didn't make it home on the plane today. He's, he's bought it. <laughs> O'Brien would put his hard heart under his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't make it. He's not making it in today. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of humour, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was... Um, yeah. An ex- a unique experience because uh, I remember on a number of jobs over the journey, everyone bought a paper. Yeah. No phones, no, yeah. no, no yeah. that. Yeah. Bought a paper and people would discuss what was in the paper. Yeah. And then uh, but we'd extend Smoko by doing the Sun Herald quiz. Yeah. And everyone would participate and it was I tell you what, it was a head-eye tackles all the way yeah. when someone reckoned they knew something. Oh, didn't they cop it? Anyway, but it was fun and people but remember you, that. But, you know, I like talking about some of the blocks that I met when I was working on different jobs. Another lad that I still catch up with today, 
he came he came out from Birmingham, mm. and he and he'll tell you the story if you you, you well you know it is it's, you've met him several times, mm. and um, when he came here he wrote fourteen Christmas cards to people he'd gone to school with and people he had worked with, well and everyone was different and I'll tell you what John Cummins used to do that, mm. uh, every mm. message was different, yep, and and that's what but. Um, Brian was, and now I think today, the last time I saw him, he still spends, he spends six. Mm. Always, but he's done that, he's been here for 40 years. Mm. Yep. And does it? Yep. You know, I don't think a young construction worker could grasp what that means. Yep. And I remember that getting one from, when you see a Christmas card from John, you know it was for you because yep. every year was a different message in it. Yep. How, you wouldn't, it just, that doesn't happen now. No. Now, you're a delegate. Yep. You're starting to be brought into the fold yep. more and more and more. Yep. When did you become a full-time official? I was working for a builder, and they um, it was getting near the end, mm. and there was it was it was a builder that we were blowing pretty solid with, so they offered me. Um, it's a builder that still hated me right to the last day. But they gave me six months wages if I would leave. And I said, no, I'm not going. Yeah. And um, there was a deal done, so I went to work for the union. Mm. And for six months, they paid my wages. Yeah. And um, and we got another delegate voted up. And um, I bet your thieves wouldn't let me tell them that story. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I started. And I started off as a, as a desk organiser. You know, just answering the questions, which I, I, I learnt so much there, you know what I mean? That's right. Um, you know, like, you hear a lot of things when I first went to the union that you don't hear talked about, like, the rules are the rules are the rules, you know? Yeah. Um, you don't hear young people talk much about the union rules today, you know? No. Um, but, Jesus, people could quote them. Yeah. People could quote them, mate, you know? And... What they were entitled to, the award. People studied the award then, you know, and and pulled you up if you went to a meeting. Yeah, because builders, labourers in Victoria, you had the pocket award. Yeah. It went into the pocket of your work shirt. Yeah. And on the other side, because you usually had two pockets, the green book. Right through the 80s and that. The little green book, the Victorian Building Industry Agreement. Yeah. They'd come out like you're like you're a bloody gunslinger. Yeah. Out would come the two books, yeah. and they go, "Don't tell me shit, mate, because I know what my rights are." Yeah, I'm and not saying everyone did that, but there was a lot more of it in those days. And remember, like, well, sometimes you know, when even then, when I was when I retired, but people wouldn't go to work without the OK card. You, yeah. you, you, more chance of going to work without putting your trousers on than your mm. OK card. Yeah. And I learnt that lesson yeah. off, again. Another old timer in the industry. I went in and I asked to see. I was just started on the job, done me time as a desk organizer, and I asked to see his union ticket. And he said, uh, and it used to say on there, "Here's mine. Where's yours?" Yeah, that's right. And he said, um, "Where's yours?" And I haven't fucking brought it with me. Mm. And he says, "Well, I'm not showing you mine." Mm. And I, I had to drive all the way back home <laughs> to get me ticket. Mm. I drove all the way back and I showed, I showed it to him yep. just to spite him. And then you know he had his as well in his back yep. pocket. Yep. And he pulled it out and he showed it to me. Yep. So I never ever went without me union ticket yeah, yeah. the day after that. You know, yep. and that's how I learnt that one, mate. Yep. You know, yeah. 
But they wouldn't. Everybody carried their card. Yep. Yeah, no. Nowadays you've got to have 101 cards. Yeah, I know, yeah. The only one that counts is what gives you the other cards. That's right, mate. The union card. Yeah, yeah. And there's this thing about the power of one, which um, unfortunately that individualism is ingrained deeply in the last 25 years maybe, to the point where people think that they're entitled, they can survive by themselves and all the rest of it. Yeah, I know. And I'll never forget this um, concreter said to me, this is oh, 25 years ago, I owe over a million dollars. I said, I do you? He said, yeah, and I'm not going on strike, I can't afford to go on strike. Yeah. I go, oh yeah, really? I said, what happens if you end up on workers' comp? You're not going to be able to pay all that money off, are you? You're a brick lo- uh, you sorry, you're a, you're a concreter. You're on your knees. Your knees could go. Your hips can go. Your shoulders can go. Mate, if you can't work, don't brag about how much money you owe because it'll be even more and you'll have even less to pay it with. It, it, well, Ralph, I'm going to pull you up on a story that you told me years ago when I'm mm. talking about all these old men that told me stuff. Yeah. And I remember you telling me a story, you were scaffolding. Mm. And the block you were working with was a dead set Tory, voted yep. liberal all yes. his life. Yes. And there was a stop, there was a strike called for the next day. Yep. And you said the that. Day, it, the day after yeah. Whitlam got sacked on the 11th of that's November, that's 1975. That's my story, Ralph. Hang <laughs> on. And, and uh, you said, um, are you going to go on strike? And he said, oh yeah, the union's called us out. I won't go to the rally. Mm. But I'll be going on strike. I won't work through the strike. And that yep. was a Tory that yep. said that yep. to you. So he I remember something even yep. told Because his loyalty was to the BLF. Yeah. Not, not to the Labour Party, but to the BLF. And the yeah. BLF said, you're going home, we're going home. Yeah, yeah. No, I still remember that one. Yep. So I remember some of the ones you told me too. There, there you go. Yeah. They're good stories. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. eh, you're a desk organiser. And uh, what we're going to do now is we're just going to do a little promo here. And then start talking about your time as an official of the BWIU and then the CFMEU. You're listening to Creatures of the Industry on Community Radio 3CR. So here we are, we're in the 80s now, and you're a full-time official. What was it like being a full-time official in Perth in the 1980s? Oh, mate, I loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of it. but And that's why I, I have the utmost respect for some of the young blokes that are coming on today. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, when I, when I started, um, can I just go to the waterfront first? Yeah. I mean, I went down there a couple of times because there was disputes. I remember when, when, when the ships come in, the, the MUA, the, well, the SUA officials would go straight up to the ramp, the, the, the wharf and talk to the people on the boat. You can't get in within a mile of it. Mm. And I saw that change and then I saw it coming into our industry. But, you know, they gave you a, a receipt book. They gave you a set of car keys and away you went. You didn't give 24 hours notice. You didn't have any of that. You just walked onto the job, you know. Mm. And, 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 and the, 
Sometimes there was a rugged reception. And oh, absolutely. Somebody, sometimes somebody'd threaten you with a level. Somebody'd throw yeah. a brick at you. But, but you know what? Yeah, that wasn't the boss. No, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. And, and, and but, but, mate, there was always. You could always go to a good job and get rebooted yeah. again, yeah. and then go back out again that's, onto the hard side. That's sides. exactly right. You go onto a big job where everybody was in the union, the crack was there. Then you'd go back onto them little jobs and try again and try again and keep going. But you know, it was just. It was, you know, you'd, you'd walk on the job and then when, when we became here, we became the CMETU because mm. of with the amalgamation of the FEDFA mm. and all of a sudden, um, see, the, the TWU had a lot of the cranes then and, and they all came back to mm. us. But, I mean, that was power overnight. Yep. You know, just to, just to, to be able to walk around and put, put a hook up, you know what I mean? I don't know, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then, then things... Starting to move like side allowances and all these things were coming up, better conditions on the jobs, you know. Um, super wasn't paid, we're out. Mm. Remember that? Oh, yeah, we're going home with pay, you know. And um, and then you'd somebody you get somebody else think, oh, fuck, everybody's paid their super today, you know. I wish it was like that today because all it meant was that we were <laughs> telling it with Saviour, well, but we're not going home now, everybody's paid their fucking super. <laughs> In but Melbourne, uh, we had the 24s. Yeah, that's what we had them here too. And the reason you had a 24 is because there was a breach of the Victorian Building Industry oh, Agreement. Well, yeah. The amenities weren't up to scratch. Yeah. We're going home till you get them up to scratch. And you got paid, yeah. And you got paid. Yeah. And then they, they are up to scratch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But no, it was, mate, it was just so much easier. You get in the, you go up to Geraldton, you'd go up to Kalgoorlie. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the northwest, but you know, as I said to you before, uh, I, I was real lucky when I went up there, and so was a lot of the other people who went up in my time. I mean, they, they had they had blocks like John had gone up there when it was fucking hard, mm. and and Jimmy know, Bacon before him. Yeah, it was. Um, mate, they 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 did settle there in the pub car part. That's where a lot of it is. But you know, when we when I remember one time up there. The, the local taxi drivers, and this is no bullshit, the local taxi drivers, it didn't matter what, what union you were in, didn't matter where it was the BLF, the BWIU, the metal workers or the AWU, if you didn't didn't have a union ticket, they wouldn't let you in the cab. It's, you know, that's not an exaggeration. It didn't happen every day, but everybody yeah. was there. Yeah. I remember a story, um, I spoke to a bloke one time was in the northwest, and um, at stage one of the Burrup had gone on strike. Now this this lad, he's he, he had come over from South Australia later in life. His dad had put all the kids and the dogs and the and a couple of dogs, his kids and his wife and the family, and drove across Dirt and Ullabore. and he drove right up to the northwest to stage one of the Burrup. Mm. And there was a big sign that had been painted by I think it might have been Jack Marks, on strike indefinitely. And he looked at it, and he'd done a U-turn and went to South Australia and spent, he never come back. Mm. He didn't, there was no official there. Yeah. There was no nothing. He just saw the sign. Mm. There was, I, I never experienced that. Mm. But I, I know the story, and it still yeah. makes me feel, yeah. makes me buzz inside that a block then in, and he, 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 he made his new life in South Australia, not in, not in Karatha. You know what I mean? But there was no way that he was going to go to work. Yeah. That was just, you know. And, I, and I've experienced that too, you know, when they've tried to split things up and break blocks away. 
the nice glass was pretty special then, you know, for the the um, old timers, and they had politics, and there'd be there'd be a there'd be a trot, or there'd be a communist, or there would be uh, an old wobbly or something. Yeah, and it would it would spread. No, you'd listen to them, you know, you'd listen to them, and then you would you would get pulled up by them. You would make a statement like, well, you know, you, you, it could go to your head too. And I'll be the first to admit that, you know. You'd go on and say, well, there'll be nobody at this fucking meeting without a union ticket. And some old block up the back would say, well, let me tell you a story, son. The first union meeting I went to, I didn't have a union ticket. But I joined the union after it, and I've had one ever since. So don't be kicking people out of here that haven't got a union ticket. You know... How, how, you know, I know you're fucking in your 20s and you're two years older than God and all everything, but how do you answer that? You know, some old plasterer has pulled you up for a ladder or an old painter or whatever he was, you know, an old scaffolder. Mm. Yeah, you don't. I went to my first union meeting and I didn't have a union ticket, but I joined after the, it was finished. How do you argue with that? Mm. And, and you don't get that on Twitter or Tweet or fucking Google. Yes, you don't become a uh, union official on the Facebook, I'm afraid. No. Now, you're a full-time official. You were going up to the northwest in those days. Yeah. Just on the northwest. Now it's FIFO. Yeah. Fly in, fly out, and the, I mean, at Melbourne Airport yesterday, it was FIFO workers everywhere. Yeah. And yep. they're coming down from Ballarat, Bendigo, wherever in country Victoria, hopping on a plane and flying to Caratha yep. via Perth. Yep. How do you reckon that's changed the northwest? It's destroyed it. Yep. The first thing that goes is the the kids' football team, yep. the, the the girls' netball team, you know, the, the, all the local fishing clubs, yep. you know, all the the, the 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 shooting clubs and the all the different things, they go, they disappear. The community disappears. The community dies, mate. And when the community dies, the whole solidarity thing it goes. Too. Yeah, it goes. You're an, you're an individual entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah. You're, go, you're going wherever to get the best, the best money you can get. And then when you get home to your community, it's all different. Yeah, that's it's right. It's part of that. Destroy yeah. someone else's to yeah. look after yours. Yeah, but you know, divide and conquer hasn't changed much, has it? It hasn't, mate. It hasn't. But and and you know, and then there's there's the elephant in the room, mate. You know what I mean? Um, now that we've got mates in construction in our industry, um, it's kind of frightening mm. how much suicide's tied up with this fly in, fly out, and people don't want to acknowledge it. But you you can, I mean, I remember going to a, a, a don't don't shoot me, but it was it was a Labour Party conference, but. There was there was outside talking about it, and I swear to you, mate, this block could have played front row for any football team. Mm. And 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 he was sitting talking to uh, a union official that I knew. And mate, the, when you hear a block like that talking about being suicidal because flying in and flying out, and then his missus is upset because he missed the, the, his daughter's first communion or something like that, and they don't care. Mm. They don't care, you know. They're not, you know. It was just. It's terrible. It's, it's terrible. That, that, but, and that's another one, that the unions, that's one of the unsung ones that the union do. It's great when they talk about, 
the concrete bussing con or, or bussing poles or big massive walk-offs where everybody walks off at one store. You won't let the union on, so they walk out the gate. And it's great to be a, have been part of that. But it's also good now to see about, you know, we 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 address things like addictions. Mm. We've addressed things like suicide, and and um, you know, it's but it's all this fly in, fly out, mate. You know, it's it's a fucking terrible. Well, that's pumped it up. It was all, there was always issues with substance abuse, uh, with family violence. There's, all those issues have always been there. Yeah. But it's been supercharged. Oh, it's absolutely. been pumped up to the nth degree, yeah. in my humble opinion. But absolutely. When did the North West change? Because little little ways, mate. Like if you if you flow it flew in at ten o'clock in the morning, you started work the next day. Mm. So you got there, you relaxed. You was um you was the first in the wet mess. So even if you drank coke or whatever, but to see your mates as they came in. You get there at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. You just leave your suitcase there. They'll put them in your donger and, and, and you're straight on the bus mm. to go out on the job at that point. Yep. Yep. You know, like um, one of the biggest blues we had here was, and I still think that it's the, the, the dirtiest, sleaziest thing they ever did and we fought it long and hard, was um, you go into a block's donger if you were up there and you, you, you Mates there, and you might go you're in the camp, and you wander around, and you go into his room, and he'd have his computer set up, he'd have his telly, he'd have his kids' pictures over there. Um, it was his harm. Yeah. Not now. Mm. You don't know where your dong is going to be. Mm. And I remember the arguments we had over it. You know, you you take all your gear, and you get another one, and you get another one. Mm. And then there was the, the biggest. And I'm trying to get this the right way so I don't sound like a chauvinist, but the biggest argument of that was when women were starting to come in there and they were comfortable because they knew you and you were in the donger next door and they knew Tommy was next door there and they were comfortable. And they didn't like the idea of going in there and going into a room where they didn't know who was beside next door to them. And we put all them arguments up, didn't care. It was all about, it was all about money and production. And, 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 and it wasn't just, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't just what happened to women on there. It was, as I say, he had his kids' pictures up on the wall and it was his harm. It was his harm. More time there than he was in his, 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 his family harm. And like, they, they didn't care, mate. Like being a guest of Her Majesty. Yeah. Which cell you could be put in and how many times you could be moved. Absolutely. Who you're thrown in the cell with, all those things. Yeah. It was, it was shocking, mate. And that's when it, mm. It started to go, and you, you'd it's, it's now up there. It's yeah. it's, it's it's gone, you know. Mm. And you, you see people going up there, and you know, people did in the, the early days when it was on. They go up there; it was great money, mm. and and they got that compensation because we didn't have the inclement weather and that. But it was great money, mm. and a young bloke could go up there, or a young woman could go up there and get a start in life. Mm. I'm fucking now. It's not any different. Mm. It's not any different wherever you go. Now, looking at the northwest, because as the introductions to uh, the previous episode and this episode, we're in Western Australia talking about the industry. Yeah. Because even though this is a show basically about Melbourne and regional Victoria, a lot of people have worked in both. Yeah. West Australia and Victoria, and people 
from Melbourne come to, to the northwest and all the rest of it. Yep. So it's all connected. Yep. And the industry is pretty much the same everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. There's just some different local characteristics. With the northwest and then maybe Western Australia generally, is there anything that you think has come out of all this experience which has been a positive, that has actually enhanced the industry? Because so far we've talked about, oh, this hasn't been the best and it's not as good as it used to be and all the rest. But is there positives that have come out of any of this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, mate. We, we, we've... Um and I remember talking to you in the here in the West when the 107 were charged, you know. Yep. But, and that was wrong what happened there. Mm. And, and the government did nothing to help us and it was a Labor government. Mm. But, you know, it didn't stop us. Mm. And it didn't stop the people. And I still see one of them 107. Mm. Now Builders Labor, he was a steel fixer. Do you know how many times he's been knocked for refusing to scab? Five times. Mm. They've just about fucking destroyed him. Mm. But he won't do it. Yeah. But but everybody on the job knew who he was. Yeah. We never gave in, Ralph. Mm. And it'll come again. It'll come back our way again. And yeah. and you see other states are, are ahead of others in, 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 in that sort of way. Mm. I mean, we were the first to cop it over here mm. with 107. And, but they haven't given in. Well, talking to Graham Pallet, we were discussing the introduction in Western Australia of the first external regulator for the industry. It was, in, it was the court government yeah. in Western Australia that first introduced the task force. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. the older blokes, refer to it as the task force. It's yeah. now called the ABCC, yeah. but the precursor was the West Australian some seriously long title, but it was a task force. That's and, right. And what it was about were a whole lot of pen pushers going onto sites and trying to enforce anti-union yep. positions. And when they didn't get what they wanted, they called the police in. That's right. And charges, yeah. Yeah, and that was the 1990s. Yeah. Not, not 2020, 1990s. Yeah. And early to mid-1990s. Yeah. And uh, we saw them go. Yep. And you know what, again, your mate was in town that day when we went up to have a look. John Cummins was over in Perth yep. that day. And I, and I don't I think it might have been over for a wedding. It was Kevin's wedding. And and they the day that they disbanded them straight away. Yep. And then but then they replaced them. I was sitting in your office the day that happened, you may yep. remember. Yep, yep. Sitting in your office the day that um a certain Labour Party leader says we've got to have a tough cop on the beat. Yes. Betrayed us. Yes. But we've, we've outlasted them. We're going to outlast them again. And it was uh, the result of a, an inquiry into the operations of the, uh, the task force under Howard. Yeah. And uh, I remember him uh, representing uh, a certain party in the federal court, which didn't do me any good. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. But they're, but they're gone. They'll go again, and we'll keep going. Yep, yep. And you've seen how they've treated individuals, and yeah, and you know, out of them, hundred and seven people that was the first of them. So you know. Without going through the whole history of that dispute, yeah, it sure. might help for some people to understand 
But when we say 107, what we're talking about is 107 members of a number of unions who were prosecuted. No, they were all our union. Well, they're all all ours, right? Okay, sorry. So, but the 107 people were prosecuted. Yep. Just to give the background of the dispute, the sector delegate on the job. Yeah. The sector delegate, the voice. People went on strike. Yeah, we we went on strike, and then they um, uh, there was also you may remember back then you could win, and they could admit that they sacked them unfairly. But they didn't have to take them back. Yep. All they had to do was give them six months' pay. Yep. And they, 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 put, they put in the delegate, Peter, they put it in his bank. Yep. He wouldn't accept right. it. He donated it to charity. He wouldn't yep. accept it. Yep. But, and the boy says, no, we're punching on. Yep. We're punching on. We want them back on the job. Mm. And, and they kept going till the Labour Party got involved and betrayed us. But and yeah, no, that's that's what and happened. Everyone got and everyone got prosecuted. Everybody got prosecuted. Afterwards, they got fined. Yes, they were found guilty yeah, and, and fined. fined for going on strike. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And people who went on strike, they weren't necessarily the front line no. of union militants or anything. That was just that was absolutely just the way they'd walked down in sector shop steward, a yep. delegate. Yep. Well known, popular bloke, you know. Yep. And, um, you know, I still bump into them today. You know, I still, uh, made a, just about three weeks ago, I had a, a cup of coffee with number one, only because his, his, his initials, his second name was A. Yep. And they, they, did, they did them in order. Everyone's got a number from one to 107. But let me congratulate the uh, young people today when mm. what we went through there. We used to have, and you'll remember them, a telephone tree. So if one block got, they knocked on somebody's door and, and, and well, the summonses, they just wouldn't open the door or they would do what they want. Mm. I've seen it now happen again on the hospital with John Hollands. Yes. Yeah, and I know mobile phones are a bad thing, but some of these young blocks, from the block walking up his driveway, everybody, every other young fellow with a mobile phone has got a picture of this block coming to give him a, it's, it's got some good points, Ralph. Yeah, you know, yeah. but but back in them days when 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 we were doing that, it was it was. That, but they they still they stuck with the union, mate. Mm. And you know, and they're still with the union. Yep. And uh, you know, and they didn't break them. Mm. They didn't break them. We took, they went around Australia. They raised money from everywhere. They went. Did that pull pull out? No. Uh, you're right. They went. They went. They, they, you know, but. Um, that was just another bit of their bastardry, I suppose, the yeah. way that they did that. Now, here we are. You've been in a full-time official. You've been involved in all sorts of disputes and all sorts of negotiations and all the rest of it. We're now getting on to a period which is late 80s, early 90s, and the industry... Well, in the 1990s, I don't think Perth was any different from Melbourne. The industry collapsed. Yeah. How did you get through? How did members of the union get through in that period? Because that was catastrophic oh, it was. for a lot of people. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. Work dried up. As, I mean, it's, it's been a little bit like that over here now for the people that are out there. At the moment, it's picking up a bit. But, but again... Um, I think what Carrie does again, and we mentioned it twice, was was the um, was the Northwest, because mm. there was still there was still the camps up there then, and a lot of yeah. people went up there, you know. 
Um, we well, always, people went over from Melbourne to the yeah, camp. Yeah. yeah, it was before Fyfor, so that was the yeah. same. Yeah, if it happened again today, we would be buggered with it. Yeah, but but no, no, a lot of that that saved us here a bit to a degree. Mm. Um, and and we always had um, civil civil always kept us a bit alive, you know, um, with the roadworks and things like that. We always had a, we had a bit in there, yeah. bridges and what going, but uh, the infrastructure. But it was bad. Mm. A lot of people out of work. A lot of people then started selling their homes and, and never never got over it, mate. Mm. Never mm. got over it. Though you could get on, <coughs> excuse me, you could get on the rock and roll, and at least feed yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. But people think uh, it was tough today with the uh, mortgage payments and all the rest of it. The mortgage payments were 18%. Absolutely. And I don't know if you remember back then, but they gave you a deadline for your house to be built. Yep. And if it was three months later, you was paying a mortgage for three months and wherever you were renting. Yep. Some things, I have to say, the government did change them. Yes. Reluctantly, they did change them. Mm. Some people could have been... Their house could take a year longer and they'd be paying the mortgage off and trying to pay a rent and trying to live. And at that same period was the introduction of changes to the Industrial Relations Act. Yeah. The award started to fade. Yeah. And enterprise bargaining agreements came in. Uh Uh-huh. And I think it would be fair to say that despite those reversals in the Ways are the conditions of people in the industry generally. Yeah. The organised areas, the bigger end of town, managed quite well under that system. Yeah. Not so well now, but yeah. it's a matter that's going to be the arguments for the next uh, few years of uh, the Albanese government. But sure. back then, there was, after the recession, some kind of fight back, yeah. and people actually established yeah. the basics of the enterprise bargaining system. But the documents were probably only about 10 pages. Yeah, that's <laughs> now, right. That's now right. they're closer to 100. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of stuff written in because the handshake, the understandings, the, the, the backup of the award ain't there. That's right. That's right. And... Do you reckon that was a crucial point? Oh, absolutely. There was no safety net whatsoever. They did what they wanted. They did what they wanted. And here, with the regulator interfering, the police being used, regularly, and probably the start of the demise of the North West as as the unofficial safety net. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that's maybe, not just in Western Australia, but that was a time where a lot of things were lost in terms of the industry, wages, conditions. Yeah. Very hard to hold on to. Yeah, absolutely. And health and safety, mate. Yeah, that was one of them. Union organisation was another one. Yeah. And it all culminated in uh, 2005 Royal Commission, the bloody uh, yep. 
legislation introduced by the Howard government, the whole thing. Yeah. And we got to 2007 and Kevin was going to save us all. And what did we get? We got that in your office that day, didn't we? We got the ABCC yep. light. Yeah. Yeah, never forget that. And the fines and the prosecutions yep. and the yep. sh- shit that went on, uh, we're still recovering from it. Absolutely, yeah. And oh, I, we are recovering, aren't we? Yeah, I'd hate to think how much money we all paid out yeah. in terms of union dues that had to go to protect the union. Yeah. And to protect the union, to protect the wages and conditions that yeah. we'd fought so hard for. And then, yeah. But, but you know, mate, and I don't know if it's been mentioned and we're talking about all the different things that got affected by the union. And um, I didn't go to Vietnam. I was too young, right? Um, but thanks to golf getting in, um, I, I just missed out by one, one jump. But the role that the union played there, and I don't know if that's been talked about, you know? No. We, we, and, and other things like that, you know? Um, I remember the, the, the big push we had here when them miners were trapped underground. To, to mm. Internationalism. Yep. Internationalism is, is another thing that quite a lot to see come back. The miners held on to it and the waterside workers held on to it. Um, and I will, in defence of Victoria, say that... Uh, we hold on to it too because at one point I worked out at uh, Tullamarine Airport and one of the, uh, just before I got there, one of the claims to fame on that job was John Cummins had a meeting there about East Timor. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a bad. And he said, well, we'll just go out in the runway and stop the plane leaving. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm talking about, yeah, mate. Yeah. If we we got it, you got to not you. Somehow, I remember you telling me a story about that when you, when that was I was involved in that over here. We did our one yeah. there too. Yeah. I remember you telling me a story about the army had no crane. Mm. The Australian army mm. didn't have a crane until blokes like you and other people all of a sudden one turned up. Yeah, you know that's the things that young people want to know about. Well. There's been plenty of campaigns. This series is really talking about the industry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And yeah. how things are. But all these things do come in. Come on from the industry. the industry, don't they? Yeah, and people are not just over here in a compartment of union member or yeah. over here in another compartment of construction worker in a different depart- compartment yeah, or something yeah. else. So people live in the community. Yeah, yeah. And unions were part of the community. And one little thing that uh, has been present in my mind, maybe because I'm getting older, in the old days, very old days, we're talking 19th century, one of the union's functions, wages, conditions, and a mortuary fund. Yeah. The mortuary fund was why people paid extra on their union dues to make sure that they their families weren't left with the cost of burying them. That's right. Yeah. And uh, those sorts of issues are still there. That's right. That's right. And um, yeah. I've been involved in a few recently where older members have died in difficult circumstances for yeah. their families and we've got the, the funeral benefit for yeah. them. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it was just normal. Yeah. You, that's what you did. Yeah, that's right. And uh, if they didn't have, uh, in, even back in the uh, 1990s, early 1990s, if you didn't have the money to bury someone, well, you had the pull-up. Yeah, that's right. You had the pull-up and you buried them. Yeah. And it, like it's all this stuff. It's yeah. And hopefully, listening, for those folks listening, I hope there's plenty of you. This podcast is about those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Pull-ups when someone's wife was in hospital yeah. with cancer and yeah. the bloke had to look after children. Yeah. And some would say that's justice too. Yeah. And they're not far wrong. That, but if the family's doing it together, then everyone yeah. threw in. Absolutely. And it's just... Hopefully something that comes out of these conversations... I hope so, mate, because yeah. I really do. And congratulations for doing this. Because you've definitely, you've definitely jump-started me, you know what I mean? As I say, I suppose the one will always be for me, Ralph, is, um, uh, you know, like, piss was a big part of the industry. Yeah. And, um, and as um, how did Chairman Mo put it? Man takes a drink, drink takes a drink, drink takes a man. Mm. And I fell into that category nearly 40 years ago, but thank God now the union play a role in that, you know. Come, 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 um, next month I'll be 40 years without a drink. And, and, and I got a lot of, a lot of help from a lot of people in the union yeah. in the early days. And now we are seeing New South Wales and other places, they've got, there is a clause mm. in their EBAs. To help people like that, yeah. You know? In the old days, you would say to your mate, "Go and lo- go and have a sleep in the cement shed, mm. and we'll cover for you." Yep. But that only covered for them eight hours. He was that didn't help him when we left the job. You know. No. Now we do something about that. We do something about young people with drug addiction. Uh, th- these are all important things too. It's not just about kicking the boss's door in, and it always will start with that. Yeah. But it's the other things that's involved, you know, burying the, the families now. We don't just bury the member. We bury the families. Mm. All of those things, you know what I mean? If, um, you know, if there's, if there's, if there's uh, some tragedy on a building site, the first person to knock on the door is the union these days, yep. you know. And I've knocked on a few. And, and, and you know, that's, that's the other thing that we do, we, you know. We, we haven't just got a heart like a tiger in a blue. We've got a heart for everything, you know. And just on that, I mean, there are some officials and some delegates who have a very bad run yeah. in terms of having to front up for fatalities and the rest of it. Absolutely. And uh, I don't think necessarily people appreciate, even though you are not immediate family you are not necessarily a close friend, yeah. being the de- union delegate, being the organiser who has to front up and deal with the consequences, is traumatic. Absolutely. Hey, Ralph, I, we, we have, when we have a day of mourning, mm. as a woman turns up there with her two sons, two young men now, mm. and I went, to, uh, I went to their house up in Wanneroo when the, when the dad was killed, and I remember the... The lady come out, we were standing in the front lawn after I'd finished, and these two, two little boys, who are, and I see her once a year. Mm. And I remember she said to uh, the, the, this tiny little block, she says, um, 
go and shake hands with Mr. McDonald. And I said, mate, I'd rather have a cuddle. And you know what, mate? Mm. He fucking hung on to my leg mm. that I can almost still feel him as I'm mm. talking to you. Mm. And, you know, but we did look after them. Yep. We did look after them. We made sure that they got every, and some. Mm. Was the union, our union here today, you know. But, you know. And to show that we are even-handed, you scabbed, you learnt the lesson. Fucking right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's no apologies for no, that. No, no, no. Because you don't have to scab. No, no, definitely not. No, you might not be happy about it. You might walk away. You might ref- refuse to support the union. You might refuse to join the union. Oh, absolutely. But you don't have to scab. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're just doing someone else over. Yeah. But And that was in the Royal Commission that gave us up. Yep. And lied. Yep. Still fucking haunts them today. Yep. You know, and that's when it's... I mean, we're retired, mate, but you can still... As an old bloke said to me, uh, I can still look in the mirror when I'm having a shave. Yes. You know what I mean? And you think of some of them people that lied and... Fuck. Just give up in the Royal Commission. Yes. Now, we've talked about a whole lot of things yep. uh, about what you experienced over the journey. Just looking back, what are the the highlights, the positives that have come out of it, in your opinion? Everyone has a different yep. you know, priority, yes. but in your mind, in Western Australia and generally across the industry, yep. what do you reckon the highlights have been... What are the, the benefits or the, the changes that have been beneficial to workers and their families? Um, in the case of this union, the relationship interstates. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and that might be down there to the different ways that a secretary can contact another one mm. and be talking to them, looking at them, and all of them different. That's, that's brilliant. Mm. That was a long time coming. That was a real long time coming. And um, uh, as I said, the, the, the involvement is coming back about other things that we yeah. do. It's about wages and conditions. It will always be about wages and conditions. But the other things that we get involved in. The tsunami when it went through in Bali. How every branch of this union was the first to pony up. Um, that sort of thing. You know, with the bushfires that used people experience and we've seen here. Again, mm. it was the movement that moved in to help it. Those sort of things um, are, 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 are better today. I think that it was um, another thing that I learnt from probably um, in, 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 in Victoria was um, <laughs> the leaders today don't feel threatened by youth. It fucking wasn't always like that, Ralph. It wasn't always like that. You know, you you could be a wee bit too smart for some of the old communists, you know, and that doesn't happen today. And I'm really, I really like that, you know, that um, that you you could shine a bit too bright and it could be dangerous as a young man or a young woman. That doesn't happen. And I love that part of it, I do, because they're the future. That's what's going to keep it going. Um, And... I just think we've 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 come we've. I'm going to quote your mate because mm. I used to have some real deep conversations with him, you know. And he said to me one time, 
fuck you, Joe. You make me say things that that I don't say to anybody else, and I'll never forget what he said. Because you worry about what's happened when this person's gone. What happens when that person's gone? And I remember what he said to me. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. And that was your mate that told me that. And and it's fucking true, but mate. I know that that might go back to the Old Testament. I don't know where he got it from, you know, but but it's true. It will always be all right. We survived a hundred and so there's been another five, six hundred more. Thousands more if you go right through Australia. And they'll be and, and if they'll go and they might come back again. But we'll still keep, we'll still be there. Or as, there's another one that come from yours, wasn't it? You can't kill an idea. Yep. We'll just keep that. That'll always be there, mate. You know what I mean? Um, and hopefully we do develop a bit more. Um, but that even that internationalism is working, you know, like when there was the secretary of the Labourers Union came out of that American block, you know, yep. um, went to Victoria and went right round all them sites. Yep. It was even just that for to be a fucking ceiling fixer sitting on a job in Victoria and all of a sudden um, the leadership of, of all of the unions in Victoria turns up with this um, this block that was I've seen the video of it but that's 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 international alive too you know what I mean bringing them here talk, talking with them you know when you see them and we're moved out around the new ones have changed not just the same communist block people that come every year they're bringing in people from America bringing them from New Zealand they're bringing them they've opened it up they've expanded it because they don't have one group supporting some communist leader and another group supporting another communist leader and it keeps two unions separate for years and years and years and years and there's not too many of them living our street is there you know what I mean but now we go to the we, 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 we bring out these different people from everywhere I think it's great mate and I'll also put it back to you that there were some of those blokes, the old comms, who did it hard. Absolutely. And never reneged. Doesn't matter what the ideology was, never reneged on one thing. No, no. They were trade unionists. Yeah, yeah. And the union came first. There's a whole lot of stuff maybe on top, but the union came first. And, and, uh, and a lot of cases, yeah. yeah. Normie Wallace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And but then most, again, hey, but, mate, is but doesn't that go back to what I say? We want to turn this into a debate, but I, I only met that block a couple of times. But he also had that, lived through a pretty brutal, oh, played yes. a big part in a war. Yep, yep. And, and right. I still can never take my hat off to that. Then people that came in and started because they were union men and union yeah. women, yeah. and he was one that, yeah. yes, a communist, but yes, he mm. he wasn't fucking shirking during that period yeah. of history either. And there were a lot more like him. Yeah, yeah. And they all worked together. Doesn't matter what someone said in bloody Sydney. I know what happened in Melbourne, and who worked with who and who. Yeah. For the last to sign over. But anyway, never mind. At the End of your career. Yes. Other than as a public speaker. (laughs) What do you remember above all other things? Is there any particular episode, any person, any issue that you remember above all others? Well, 
What's the first thing that comes into your mind? A bus on the Burrup. Yeah? A bus on the Burrup. Mm. We was, um, the, the, all the new laws were in and we was locked out. Mm. And the security guards were everywhere and the coppers were everywhere. And there was a thing on the Burrup that you could get a break, to, you had to smoke outside and there was no more lighters and you got... And slowly these blocks were coming out and going back in and job was getting ready to start and the security guards were getting a bit lax. We'd been there for a day and the gate opened. So I just walked straight in and I jumped on a bus, right? Now, I didn't realise, and I'm being honest with you, comrade, I didn't realise what a smart move that was that day because all of a sudden we were surrounded Mm. and management come on and they pulled up with an empty bus. And they said, we want everybody to get off and go on the next bus. And nobody moved, mate. Mm. They sat on the bus. So the bus driver started driving around in circles on the burrup. Mm. And because I was on there illegally, everybody had to go off. And the bus driver wouldn't drive off. Mm. And it just went on for the whole day. Right to the point at one stage I had to have a piss. Mm. And when I got off to have a pee, they surrounded me so the coppers couldn't get near me. Yep. And that was probably, some would say, a day's fun. Mm. But by Christ, I can still remember it to this day. Not yep. one person got off. The other buses were driving around and people started stopping. Mm. And that started the row in the borough to get us back in. Yep. So that went on then. We went up and we had a meeting about a week later. I'll go back to another mate of yours who built the bar up. Mm. And <clears throat> I think there was about five crane drivers and about 12 scaffolders walked off the job. By the end of that day, there was about 300 out the gate. Yeah. Within about four days, we just about had the whole job. And a union official went on the radio and he said, um, we want everybody to ignore what's happening on that picket line. Get on the buses in the morning and go straight to work. And I rang up John Cummins. I said, mate, we're fucked. Because he knew the block that had done it and so do you. Mm. I said, we're fucked. He says, mate, you've just won the blue. Mm. And I had no fucking idea what he was talking about. I swear to you, I had no idea what he was talking about. But the next day, not a fucking bus moved. Yep. Not a bus moved. So it was another day of learning something, Ralph. Yep. And I had no idea. I, I said, to, I'll tell you exactly what I said to him. I've said it to his wife, Diane, several times. Are you fucking pissed? What do you mean? You've just won the blue. Mm. And, mate, that one I'll never, yep. I'll never forget that one, mate. I'll never forget that one. And maybe that's a nice way to end this very enjoyable discussion. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Because learning lessons is about being a building worker. You learn lessons. Yeah. Trade unionists, you learn lessons. Yeah. And all of these lessons are put together and it's the life experience of building workers and trade unionists in our industry and that can be passed on to other people. That's a great thing. As I used to say to our great mate, it's another fine mess you've got me into. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I'm just going to have to keep doing all these interviews, aren't I? <laughs> Good on you, man. I'm never retiring. <laughs> anyway, Joe McDonald, thank you very much, and I hope our listeners are going to uh, get something out of this. Because as I said to you before we started, this is not about war stories. This is about life's experience in the industry. Yeah, and yeah. I hope people have got something out of it and will continue to get something out of it. So, Joe, thank you very much indeed. Thanks very much, Ralph. Thanks for including me in it, mate. You have been listening to Creatures of the Industry, an ongoing series of oral history interviews about the building and construction industry in Melbourne and regional Victoria since the 1960s. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And whether we were born here or born in Italy, in Greece, in Spain or Ireland, in England or Fiji, we all of us are workers united, we must stand until the wealthy bludgers have been driven from our land. We faced deregistration, it backfired in the face. We're not fooled by arbitration, we won't stay in our place. We hit the bosses hard and fast to win and keep our gains and break a couple of concrete pours to back our lug of claims. So keep your powder dry and hold your head up high. It's class to class and face to face, our limit is the sky. We've got a fighting history and we never will be cowed. Our builder's labour is a name to make a man proud.